Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 239. This is our uh, show after our, our annual break for Christmas. We're glad to be back. We got some good topics and we kind of want to do something kind of fun at the end, so we'll talk about that in a bit. But let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Bait. Oh my god, guys, what's up? My name is Bait. I am, uh, I, I don't play video games. Uh, I am a college student currently on Christmas break. And uh, yeah, that's what's up. Did you uh, survive your finals? Oh, yes, sir. I sure did. Passed everything with flying colors. Well done. Well done. Woo. All right, Jay, you are up. Hey, guys, this is Jay. I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast. And uh, I do play games. And and we tacitly talk about the fact that Bate doesn't play any games anymore because he's growing up in front of our very eyes as he takes, takes his finals this semester. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we've been kind of digging it out with a lot of the holiday stuff. Just got back from a... Uh, kind of extended vacation up in Canada. We went up to uh, Ottawa, a place called Blue Mountain, a little snow resort kind of action. We spent Christmas there, and so we had a maple and flannel Christmas. It was awesome. And uh, now I'm back in uh, in Detroit and uh, ready to tackle the year. All right. Glad to have you back. Libby, you are up. Hello, I'm Libby, another co-host here, um, and I do play video games. Fortunately, unfortunately, it's been Destiny for the past two months. Um, I'm happy the holidays are over. I think that I think that's my theme. They're done. Yes, uh, and I'm Pokey. I obviously help do the show as well. And this was our first Christmas in the new house with all of the insanity that comes with that. So it's been a rush. Um, luckily, I was able to get this week off from work. So I got some time to kind of sit back, relax and try some games as well. Uh, but I'll be going back on the second to, you know, I'm sure a total mess. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad the holidays are over as well. Just not the vacation, but, you know, it was good. But anyways, uh, we wanted to do something kind of cool this year. We hadn't really done anything like this before, not at least formally, but we wanted to kind of have a Biomass Gaming Awards for 2018 to kind of go over some of the stuff that we liked, uh, what we thought was the best or the most influential, that sort of thing, kind of have a discussion about it. But we do want to kind of start off the show with a few quick things, just kind of uh, news points that we kind of normally do. So we're going to start with kind of our movies and entertainment sort of thing. So uh, Hellboy. A reboot got a trailer uh, this week. What did you guys think of this one? Uh, it's that's a, it's it. The trailer itself uh, does some kind of neat things, but I I'm a little struggling with the uh, kind of the actor that's playing Hellboy. You know, Ron Perlman, very iconic in that role. You know, there's a lot of him in the in the uh in the character itself i can't remember I, for the life of me i can't remember the name of the uh of the actor he's, he's from um god uh strange um bah, you know what i'm talking about the david uh, harbour guy yeah i think so but i, I just I, I don't i think he's gonna have some tough sledding trying to follow ron perlman who is like i said very much a part of that character in terms of how people see him but now now beyond that uh i like the look of it uh, it's got like a real good feel to it, you know, in terms of what they were showing and stuff like that. Uh, I think it has the potential to be pretty solid, but he's going to have to hopefully, you know, he's going to have to kind of make the character his own. You know what I mean? Not, not just quite do a, uh, a bit of a one-off of how Ron Perlman did it. What about you, baby? You're kind of making noises before. Um, I mean, 
I'll probably go see it, to be honest. Um, I wasn't really... I think when the last one came out... The last one came out, what, 2008, I think, was uh, with the Golden Horde or the Golden Army or something or other. Yeah. yeah. 2008? It's, that sounds right. Yeah, it's about right. Um, so I, I wasn't... It's, it's something I kind of missed um, just because I just I was like, fuck, how old was I? I don't even know how old I was. Um, too young, though. Um, so this looks like something that I could probably like, I get into. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like, oh my God, what a great movie. But I mean, it'd be like, eh, okay, cool. I might eat 50 out of it. Right. I think it's as goofy as I think the Hellboy, was it Hellboy 2? As goofy as that one was, I think the original actors probably like him out. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was, the, the, I wasn't that enthralled with the original movie. So this one doesn't really grab me as much as, as it might for someone who liked the first ones more. Maybe I was too young to really enjoy it. I'm not sure, but it wasn't one that I thought back like, Oh, it was an awesome movie. So, you know, I, I was kind of, kind of neutral on this one, not really going one way or the other, but uh, you know, it'll be good to see if it, if it gets good reviews or not. If he's, Reboots kind of go 50-50 in a lot of cases. Well, I, is this? I guess my question is: Is this actually a reboot, or in the, or is? Oh, well, yeah, I guess it is a reboot, but they're not. This is definitely not a sequel. This is just a, kind of a total fresh start, right? Yeah, I think they're trying to start over again. Yeah, I, I like I said I I I like the cowboy character. I think what they were doing with the the Perlman movies were pretty cool. I mean, I, I mean they weren't. You know, I think Bates said it right. They weren't like slam bang movies, but they were they were definitely enjoyable. And like I said, Perlman was really good in that role. Um, so I, I think this one has the potential to be good. But like I said, it's kind of a, a little bit of a tough act to follow, and I'm not really sure what the purpose for kind of getting back into Hellboy was. I, I don't. I mean, there's a big. There's probably a lot of. There's probably a fan base out there for it. But I think it was more of a fan base for the previous version of Hellboy, which was, you know, by all, by most accounts, I would say pretty solid. Yeah, we'll have to see how people receive this one. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have my finger on, on the beat of this one, but we'll have to see uh, if the reviews come back as, you know, positive or not compared to the previous two. So moving along, we've got uh, Men in Black International, which is obviously the, the next iteration of the Men in Black series. It looks like it's featuring pretty much entirely new actors. They aren't bringing back Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones or anything like that. They're kind of going for a more, you know, a different office, not in New York, uh, for the Men in Black. What'd you guys think of that one? Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. I love those Men in Black movies, um, like a lot. Those are I, I think those are really good movies. Um, so when I saw the trailer for this one, I'm like, okay, let's go. So yeah, yeah, I'll fuck with that. I'll go watch that for sure. <laughs> I, I I think it's going to be a good one. I think the international gives them a chance to get away from, uh, the previous storylines. I think that kind of got as far as it can go with those actors. And they also they brought also in like, you know, more relevant, I don't want to say more relevant, but more, uh, fresh faced actors and actresses for this one. Yeah, and I think that, that that's something that, that those movies need because, oh my God, I don't know what I would do if I had to look at Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith in, the, in a fourth <laughs> black movie. Like, three was stretching it, to be perfectly honest with you. Yes, but, yes. oh my God, four, jeez. Yeah, I would uh, I, I would say this one's a much-needed refresh. It's uh, So this is definitely not a reboot. It's definitely more of a refresh. I think it's... Very much still in the same universe, is my understanding. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there's not a can. There may not be a cameo from anybody, but 
probably wouldn't surprise me if you see like some image of Will Smith somewhere in the movie. But uh, Men in Black is actually one of those kind of that uh, one of those kind of properties. I really wish what they would do is like every movie have a different set of actors in it, like like a different you know setting, you know, group of protagonists or whatever. I, I think that that would be a very neat thing because that's sort of the whole premise of the men in, Bel- in men in black. It's just sort of faceless organization of men and women around the world that, that do this stuff. And you could, I mean, this would be kind of a neat thing almost in one-offs where you just drop in, you know, kind of power hitter actors, you know, maybe even way out of typecast, you know, imagine somebody like Daniel Craig coming into something like this. So it would be hilarious or it has the potential to be pretty good and you could play it in a lot of different ways, but I like the two actors. Um, it, it's it will be interesting watching uh, those two coming out of their stints in in the MCU into this. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think Men in Black is also a Marvel property. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it is. So it's it's a little little kitschy, but you know not not too bad. I, I thought the trailer was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty solid. I like the uh, the Thor reference at the end with you know Chris Hemsworth. That was pretty cute, but. Uh, and I always liked the Men in Black series. I don't think I ever saw four. I think I thought after three, I'd, four would just make me sour. So I think I skipped that one. But I definitely loved the first the first couple ones. So, you know, I was pretty hyped for this one. It should be good. And and like you said, Jay, I think it does come with, um, when you've kind of built this, this world, it is kind of nice to come at it from different angles instead of just drilling down with the same group of characters. I mean, we talked a bit about that with the uh, the John Wick series where, you know, you've got the, the Continental and it's, you know, you've got the trilogy with, with, you know, John Wick, but they've got a really great sort of world they could play with and they could pretty much approach that from whatever angle they want with different people, different actors, and it would probably be really solid. So, you know, I, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, and hopefully this reboot will, will kind of capitalize on some of that. And yeah. correction, this one will technically be Men in Black. Yeah, yeah there you go. Unless they somehow managed to release a fourth one that I had no idea about. But. I thought about that, too. I was like, oh, crap. When that one come out? <laughs> oh, was, was there a fourth, not a fourth one? No, this yeah. one will be the fourth one. Okay. It's international instead of titled four. Okay, maybe I saw two and then just never saw three because I was like, eh. I think that's I'm not going to lie. I tapped out on three. I, I was not. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Uh, so this next one, I'm going to have to default to Jay because I know nothing about it. Um, did you see this trailer for Doom Patrol? Uh, I did. Uh, so, as one as our, our resident comic book sage, uh, so Doom Patrol is a DC Comics imprint, uh, and they have kind of an interesting sort of world, you know, that they inhabit in DC. They're definitely what I would refer to by anybody's stretch C-list characters, like at like C-list for sure characters, uh, and C might be stretching it, but what they do is they're, they're brought into the, this very small team um, that deals very much with very weird kind of out of the way, very occult kind of stuff on, on occasion. And they do interact around the margins of a lot of the other bigger characters in the DC universe. And, and it's kind of an eclectic group. It's definitely a, um, you know, s- sort of penny dreadful kind of vibe a little bit in the comics. Um, you've got this very eclectic group with, uh, you know, the chief, you know, aka the, the dastardly British guy who's in charge of the operation sort of, sort of thing, the shadowy government agency. 
they basically handle, like I said, a lot of the almost X-Files type things in the DC universe. Um, so you've got Cliff Steele, who plays this very uh, 70s looking steampunk robot guy. He's basically a human brain and a robot body. Uh, Mr. Negative, who looks sort of like the invisible man with all the bandages on him. He can basically like travel out of body and become like an energy being, so to speak. Uh, there's different versions of some of the other characters floating around in there. I think Timothy Dalton being the chief, and I believe Brandon Fra- Brendan Fraser is playing Cliff Steele, aka Robot Man. Those are kind of the heaviest hitters. This is going to be a spinoff of the DC Titans series, and I believe there's an episode that's coming up. I don't know if it's out yet of the Titan series called Doom Patrol, where they introduce the Doom Patrol. Um, I, the, the, the brief trailer looked, or, which I think may be more of a teaser, but the brief trailer looked, looked okay. And this one's going to be all about how they play it uh, in terms of the characters and the actors in the story. This has the potential to be pretty good if they do it right. Uh, it's obvious. You can tell right away that you know they're not, they don't have like a powerhouse budget. So this is, you got to watch what you get on this one, uh, but I, I think if if they if they play it smart, like a a bit of a tongue in cheek X Files kind of thing, it, this has the potential to be okay, serviceable even. And if the fact that they're bringing out, like I said, a pretty deep cut in the DC universe is uh, is kind of neat. And by the way, don't don't let that fool you when I say they're like C list characters at best. They are individually, but Doom Patrol has been around for a very, very, very long time in the DC Universe. Uh, it's definitely one of those uh, that comic book aficionados or people that follow DC will clearly pick up on, but it's certainly not mainstream. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's yeah, like I said, I know nothing about it, but you know, I, with DC, you, you never really know what you're going to get. So we'll have to see if that one turns out okay or not. And this looks like it's going to be, uh, yeah. So it's a it's a series premiering February fifteenth. So it's come out in a couple months um, already. And it says, and the note that Zell left here is says most of the cast already appeared in an episode of the, the new Titans show already. So they're kind of already seeding a lot of these characters in the existing Titans show and kind of prep for this to come out. So that's kind of cool. I like when they're trying to set that up and kind of build it as a more of a unified universe. I think that's a, that's a good approach to take. I think. All right, so let's move along to some more gaming-related stuff. A uh, couple things real quick. So The Walking Dead, the Telltale games, um, obviously this was kind of a, a hot topic because, you know, with Telltale shutting down so suddenly and The Walking Dead being kind of a, obviously a story-based game that wasn't finished when that happened, it was kind of up in the air regarding, you know, where this was going to come from, where are people going to, you know, get the uh, get the final part. And there's a lot of talk about trying to, you know, kind of scoop together some of the previous developers to work on it. And so let me pull up the the name of the title of the uh, company here real quick. Okay, yeah, Skybound Games. So basically what happened is that Skybound Games uh, came in and they said, hey, we're going to we're going to pick up this IP. We're going to finish it up. And they were able to actually kind of enlist the help of some of the original people that were working on the title to kind of put out the final chapter of the story so that people who had like pre-ordered it and were expecting a, a conclusion to all of this could actually you know, get that, that, that closure. And the interesting part about this is that Epic Games apparently was kind of involved in facilitating all of this happening and that Epic has now stepped up and they said, hey, we're going to publish and be the publisher for the uh, the final chapter of this, 
But of course, with their recent game store coming out, the chapter will be published exclusively through Epic's new game store. Um, I did mention that if you had already purchased the game like on Steam or some other platform that you will still be able to access it there. But if you haven't pre-purchased it, you're going to have to be buying it through Epic's game store. So it, it makes sense. They're obviously trying to push um, their game stores. They're trying to, you know, be more competitive and kind of uh, shove off uh, Steam's monopoly of the market right now. But uh just kind of interesting. It's, it's good that this is happening. Um, I know it's kind of a bit of a controversy regarding some of these exclusives that are popping up at the Epic Store, but uh, you know, it's it's good news for people that have been hoping to get the, the conclusion to this game, and it will be coming out uh, in the near future. Uh, another neat thing through the Epic Game Store is Super Meat Boy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that one, but Super Meat Boy is a very challenging platformer game. Um, it's meant to be like excruciatingly difficult um it's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, sort of title but it's really good um i do suggest it and if you want to get it for free it is going to be available on the epic game store for free for a limited time so you want to head over there and get the game for free i think it was actually on playstation plus as well a while back if you picked it up then as well but it's a good game give it a shot and uh yeah it's free right now um, I think I know I'm walking backwards with the whole Skybound game thing, but I believe, and um, this is back from my memory, that Skybound Games actually does the comics for The Walking Dead. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah so there is that slight connection of, you know, I'm glad that they're picking it up because I think for them that's almost kind of like, that's our thing. Well, I mean, that's understandable that they wouldn't want this thing to just you know, die and fall off a cliff. They're like, okay, well, you know, we'll make it happen one way or another. And it's it's good that it's, it's not just some random company that picked it up. It's, it's you know, the original kind of where this all began, you know. And the last little topic is we have to, you know, take a jab at Fallout 76 at least once a week. Um, so this isn't really a, a necessarily a jab, but it's more of kind of a funny thing. So... People have been getting banned for cheating in Fallout 76. Um, there's been some some complaints that people are being un, unjustly banned, but people have been banned regardless. And when they contact customer support saying like, hey, what's going on? Can I get this reversed? What customer support is saying is that if the player who got banned writes a 500-word essay talking about why cheating is bad in online games, it will then be reviewed by the... Uh, customer support management team and they'll make a final decision if they're gonna overturn your ban or not are you a fucking 12 year old jesus christ guys see now if it doesn't have to you know if it could be plagiarized i don't want to say plagiarized i would sell the templates for it for all those banned gamers <laughs> see i really want bethesda to like actually run their papers through like fucking uh, grammarly or like turn it in and then just reject everybody who is like doing that just because I mean, it'd be funny Post it on Reddit. <laughs> i can only assume this is some kind of publicity stunt stunt to desperately keep them in the news with something that doesn't sound bad <laughs> Hey, you want to keep you want to keep Fallout seventy six in the news real quick? Did we talk about the the um, Nuka Cola rum fiasco that they're going? Oh my god, they did it again! <laughs> they, they, they just they, they can't help themselves. They have to botch every single element of of this release. So um, that's that's a really good point, Bate. So there was, I believe, it was actually in Fallout four in one of the DLCs that there was an item in the game called Nuka Dark, and it was basically an alcoholic. 
um, beverage. It was rum that was produced by the Nuka-Cola company. Um, and it was just you know, in the game. But as part of Fallout 76, they did this thing where they said, hey, we're going to be selling Nuka Dark. You can actually buy this bottle of rum and it's going to come in this cool, like, you know, rocket ship bottle and it's going to be awesome. And, and this isn't unlike what they've done before. I think when Fallout 4 came out, they released Nuka-Cola Quantum. And it came in just like a normal bottle, but that's kind of what it was advertised as. But it was, it was you know, it's like a Jones soda they've re, you know, relabeled. Fine, cool, whatever. But for this, they, they marketed it as this cool, like, big, you know, rocket-shaped bottle. And it's got this kind of cool cap on it. And people were like, sweet. And it was $80. Like, it's a, a really fucking expensive bottle of rum. Like, it's, I'm guessing it's not, like, top shelf here. Um, but it's 80 bucks for this thing. And so it was supposed to come out with the release of Fall 76. I know you're all going to be shocked to find out that that didn't happen and they actually had delayed it like three or four times. And so finally this thing came out like in the last like week or two. And what people found out is that it wasn't really a rocket ship bottle of rum. It was actually just like a normal bottle full of rum. And then this like cheesy, like $2 plastic sleeve that would go over it to make it look like a rocket ship um, for $80. People were not too happy. <laughs> like, to be fair, it wasn't ever advertised as like it is a glass bottle, but they kind of marketed it as, hey, it's in a bottle that looks like a rocket ship. And it's not that. Um, so, yeah, people are pissed with their $80 bottle of, of booze they waited way longer for and wasn't really what they were expecting. I, I can't think of an $80 bottle of liquor or, or any kind of alcoholic drink. It comes in a two-liter plastic bottle. Not one. Nope. Other than this one. Uh, I'm just, I am fairly convinced now that there are people who work at Bethesda that are actually on Obsidian's payroll. I am very convinced of that at this point. It's turned into this, like, are you guys trying to screw this up as much as possible? Like... They should have known, like, after the whole, like, bag fiasco that this was not going to go well. Like, they should have known. And it just went out and they're like, ah, well, it is what it is, you know. Right. This is like an amateur fundraiser mistake, like, scurrying around the last minute to find something to make people happy and just going, oh, you know, the plastic ones are fine enough. We found a workaround. Like, this is the, I think they're secretly going bankrupt and they're just not telling people. Well, I mean, I, go ahead, Pokey. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to make it. Well, I mean, you know, if you want to get a spot on the prestigious Biomass Awards, all you got to do is give us alcohol. And I think that's what Bethesda was trying to do, guys. Except that they got to actually send us my shitty two-liter bottle of plastic booze before I can hey, it. You I just have to pay shipping and handling. <laughs> let, let me put it this way. I'm not going to buy a box or bag of wine, and I ain't going to buy an $80 bottle plastic bottle of made up liquor dude let me tell you what the wine bags pretty good like you can get away with like these novelty sodas and the fact is that they're usually like an existing soda that's already sells well but like when it comes to booze I, i'm gonna go with what i know is good i'm not gonna spend almost a hundred dollars on a bottle of booze from a company that you can't even figure out what they're doing with their fucking marketing for these these novelty things. Like, I'm amazed that people didn't cancel their pre-orders on this shit when they saw the whole bag fiasco and went like, hmm, yeah. I've seen the writing on the wall here, you know? Well, and, it, 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 and I'd be willing to bet you that a lot of the folks that got, um, 
you know, they got the bag. They also got the bottle, the bottle of Nuka Dark. Uh, it's probably a lot of the same people. Oh, that's the next controversy. The people that actually got the bottle. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Give, give, <laughs> gift it to the, uh, the influencers that went to their event. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And the thing is, like, they've got their website here, and it's like, they've got, like, other stuff, like glasses and stuff, and then coasters, and they're actually pretty cool looking. Like, the labeling is nice on it, but, you know, just the way that it's it's shown, like, you know, you should at least explicitly explain, hey, it's actually uh, just a glass bottle inside a plastic bottle, not what you probably are hoping it is. But, you know, it's just, ugh, it's terrible. Well, and like, let's look at this too, because in I'm fairly confident in the same box and the same edition of Fallout 76 that gets you the bag and apparently the, the, the rum, you also got a really spiffy power armor helmet. You know what the one thing we haven't heard complaints about yet is the power armor helmet. I wonder why. Because that's the only where good all piece. the money went. <laughs> well, and they, they did a... Um... They did like a Pip Boy, I think, for Fallout Four, and people said that was really good too. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at the website here, and it says Nuka Dark Rum shares the same look as the other bottles of Nuka Cola, but a black color and a simplistic label. So, to me, I'm I'm expecting the bottle you're showing me to be the actual bottle. You know, and it's not. It's it's a well, they pointed out right there. It was going to be simple. It was going to be basic. Well, the 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 labeling is simple, not the. <laughs> Not the, ah, it's just, <laughs> it's just fantastic. Um, and you know, I thought, I thought we were done like with all this, like, okay, they, they, they're going to make the bags and apparently the bags are going to be like delayed. Uh, <laughs> cool. Um, I thought like, okay, that's it. That we're done. We're done with this. This, this is over. And then this fucking Nuka Cola rum shit came out. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys need to stop. And then the, the essay thing came out. I'm like, Bethesda. I'm, I'm starting to believe Jada. This is actually an inside job, and they're just trying to, to bury this so when Obsidian releases Outer Worlds, it just annihilates everything they're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't think that people are going to have any any confidence in Bethesda at this point regarding their game quality, regarding their their collector's edition packages. Like it has been a clusterfuck on every single possible level, and they are handling it so badly by just kind of going eh. You know, I mean, sure, we, we leaked your personal information, but we fixed it, don't worry. And that, that was it. You know, it's just, it's incredible to see how badly this has been botched from a company that is literally an industry giant and a veteran. And they just, they're acting like they've never done this before. And it's just incredible. So here's what I want. I, I want to propose a challenge to all of the biomass listeners, right? So I want you to go out and I want, I want, I want people to make me a set of stickers. And I want the stickers to be very much in the vein of InfoWars stickers. And the text will read, Fallout 76 was an inside job. And then in the bottom right-hand corner of your sticker, please make it in black and white, by the way. In the bottom right-hand corner of your sticker, I want you to link to Obsidian's website. And I want 500 of these stickers. And I will mail you or Venmo you or PayPal you about $10 or however much it costs to make the stickers, plus a little bit extra so that you can feel good about yourself and flip a profit. And I will start posting these stickers all around Jacksonville and all around the country if I ever make it out of this fucking state. And then we'll have a laugh, and it'll be a meme, and we can share this forever together. We'll take them to Iceland in 2020. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Enough on that. Um, 
I'm tired of talking about shitty games. So let's talk about some good games. Um, I'm going to have fan. our... Huge fan. What was that? I'm a huge fan of talking about yes. not shitty games. Yes, no more shitty games. So we wanted to kind of do this uh, 2018 Biomass Gaming Awards because... You know, we are bigger than the usual gaming awards. We kind of wanted to bring this directly, just you know, a little more, a little more focused, a little more, you know, high, uh, high caliber uh, analysis here. But uh, Jay kind of put together a good list of some some categories we're going to do, um, and we're going to kind of go down the line with each category and kind of give us your impression of what you felt the best game in 2018 for that category is. And it may not be necessarily the best game, but it could also be the most influential game. Um, and you know, why you feel that way and why you think it's deserving of this reward. So um, let's get started. So the first category is best action game. Um, I'll kind of go first, just going to get my thoughts on that. Um, so for me, a game that recently came out, um, they came off Nintendo Switch. And it, it's the reason why people buy Nintendo Switches is, of course, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, I have been playing this game since I was, God, I don't even know when the first one came out, but a, a very young kid. Um, and it's been, you know, part of my life the whole time. And, you know, I have to say that they've done, when they say Ultimate, they've done a fantastic job at really kind of taking together this whole history of the franchise and putting it all together in kind of this true definitive experience. And it's just, it's amazing. It's polished. It's got tons of content. It feels great. You know, I, I didn't play Smash 4, um, but I did the first three and then this one. And it was just like memory trip back to my childhood, you know, just all these characters that I have from different games I've loved, playing the game, just sitting on the couch, you know, with my brother and Livy, just, you know, beating the shit out of each other. It is a fantastic game. Um, if you own a Switch and don't own this game, what's wrong with you? But honestly, like, it's worth buying a Switch to play this game because it's just so jam-packed and it's a fantastic product. It's absolutely worth your time. So my uh, my award for, for best action game in 2018 does go to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. If you main Robin that game, you should feel very sorry for yourself. You're a bad person. I have not played Robin yet, actually. I usually stick with uh, with Ike or Link or any of the sword users except for Robin. But uh, it's it's a fun game. It's a fun game. That I, game is I, really. Fun. I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I am I, I was not ever really exposed to Su Super Smash Brothers. I've heard people over the years talk about it. Uh, Boy got it on his Switch and. I am incredibly impressed by that game. Like it's a very simplistic game, but it's there's a lot of deep activity you can do with the different move sets. I'm just like eighty, I think eighty characters in it. I think mm -hmm. it's seventy three, but they've got like five more planned already. Like they just haven't announced them yet. Yeah. But yeah, and you can make your own really? too. Don't forget. Yes, it is really really. Cool. I'm very impressed by that game. Uh, definitely a good, definitely good add to the list. And it looks really good. Like I played it for uh, the first time probably just the other day actually um and like for a switch game dude i didn't expect much out of that out of that little switch as far as like computing power goes but damn that thing makes that game look amazing yeah, the switch is is way more impressive than i ever thought it would be in terms of what uh -huh. is capable of being played like if you can get dune 2016 to play on that thing and make it look good I'm I'm impressed, you know. So it's it's a it's a really solid piece of hardware. Like probably probably one of the better pieces of hardware we've seen in, in a while. <laughs> Sorry, we got we got kid aggro in here, but um, yeah, no, it's it's a great game. Uh, so next up is Jay. Jay, what is your thoughts on the best action game of 2018? Yeah, so I kind of dug into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, that that was you know at least when I looked at it, probably your classic 
sort of single-player action game, uh, probably one of the most least significant ones I saw this year. Uh, and and I really kind of dug into this one, one because it's a very deep game. I mean, you can play that game for a very, very long time, and you can definitely get your money's worth out of it. It's got a very, very neat setting. Uh, now, I, you know, we've talked about this game previously on the show, I, I think two, three months ago. Uh, it plays very well. There's not a lot of technical problems with it. There's a couple of glitchy spots or there's a couple of mechanical things here and there. But the minute-to-minute gameplay is pretty good. It's got a relatively engaging storyline. Frankly, they could have just dropped the term Assassin's Creed off it and just called it, you know, Odyssey or something like that, and it would have been okay. Um, It's definitely kind of a storyline breakaway from the classic Assassin's Creed piece. But overall, just in terms of a, um, uh, you know, an adventuring sort of art, you know, action game that you can get out and kind of do a lot of different things. And I thought it was pretty good. Now for the record, like when we say action, you know, when we, when we kind of use the term action game, it's a very broad category. Cause if you look at some of the, some places they'll have like 20 different game categories. So we use that as a bit of a catch all. I think you could probably claim it's a pseudo open world, pseudo RPG and, you know, kind of a lot of other things. But to me, I kind of, it kind of harkened back to the classic action game, kind of almost Tomb Raider-y. Um, the original Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider, by the way. Um, so that was sort of where I came from it on. It's a great game world, really well executed. Few, I mean, there, there are some, like I said, there's some, a, a couple of mechanical pieces in the gameplay that get a little old. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good entry into the action market uh, for this year. How did you play it? Did you play it with or without the radar? Uh, I I played it with the radar actually. Okay. Talk about the little uh, little threat indicator thing. No, I, the I want to say the um oh yeah 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 the, the little threat indicator thing that you could like turn it off for exploration mode. I think they called it. Um, I don't honestly. I don't. I didn't. I wasn't entirely sure you could turn it off. That's like yeah, that's can. like it's like uh whatever the the factory settings are. You know, I don't usually yeah. change it too much from that. Who plays the the male or female uh character? Uh, male character. Interesting. Okay. Now, is yeah, did you play as either one? Yeah. So I, I actually have a lot of uh, not a lot, but I have specific gripes with this game. Um, and granted, this is coming from a longtime Assassin's Creed fan, and I, I was fortunate enough to win the game. Uh, that and Red Dead. Um, another copy of Red Dead in a raffle. Um, out on campus, which was kind of cool. So I figured, you know what, it doesn't hurt to install it and and try it. Um, and I did. Um, I, I think I made it about 20 levels into the game and I just, I couldn't take it anymore. It didn't, it was marketed as an Assassin's Creed game and it didn't feel like an Assassin's Creed game to me. Um, and I, I can't really place my finger why, um, I liked, I, I, I liked origins, the, the, the first entry in this kind of this new direction that Ubisoft is taking the series to where it's, um, it is very much like an RPG um, but I, some of the mechanics I thought just were, I didn't care for them. I don't think that they were, uh, uh, executed some of them too terribly well. Um, like the, the, the super abilities or whatever, where you, you push like, um, uh, what was it? It's either like left trigger, left bumper, and then a, a, another button, uh, on your, on your right, your you, right hand. Are you Xboxing or what are you? What are you? Xbox. Yeah. So the, the, like the power, like the Sparta kick or whatever. Um, I thought some of those, uh, were a little quirky. Um, 
the the dialogue tree i wasn't really a fan of um just because it didn't seem like it had too terribly big an impact on the overall story um so in my mind if it's not going to have that big of an effect then you know why even have it in there um but i i do think this is still like a really awkward transition uh almost for ubisoft um i i fully expect the next um assassin's creed game to be like exactly what they're going for like a like a mass effect style kind of kind of gig that that is a great way to frame it i i think i you, you said something all the way at the beginning that i think is very key um I very much approach because I am not an Assassin's Creed guy, right? So I played like the first one, and I was that was really the only, you know, and I've I've messed around with. I've never purchased the other ones. I've played the other ones off and on, or watched other people play them. The only one I ever like purchased, owned, and played through was the first Assassin's Creed. So I'm so, so sorry for you. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, so when I approached this game, it was definitely not from an Assassin's Creed fan. I mm-hmm. I really get how you could like this would be off putting if you were looking for a game in, in the style of that series. That's kind of what I was saying is like it's definitely a departure and it's you could probably just drop the word Assassin's Creed off of it and just call it Odyssey and it, it probably I, I think honestly would have been maybe a little bit better received. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my this is my personal opinion. Now I, I think the you, you hit you hit on something that really struck with me just a minute ago. It said had a, almost a Mass Effect kind of reach to it. That's that was very much the tone I got from this game, and I maybe that's why I liked it was it felt very much like it was trying to be a fantasy version of Mass Effect Two. Probably does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, it does, and I definitely think um, from uh, rumors um, that have been floating around for a couple of years now, and Assassin's Creed rumors tend to be true. Um, so I, I'm actually really comfortable with saying that this is going to happen. Um, but the next one, we should be going uh, back to Rome uh, shortly. I want to say in the like historical timeline, it's going to be set after Origins. Um, this one is set uh, bef- like 400 years before because we're in like 480 BC, I think, or 439 or one of those two. Um, so this is good. The next one is going to be uh, set just after Origins, if I'm not mistaken. And I fully expect that one, like I said, to be mass effect but assassin's creed so you're going to see i think um taking cover is going to be a little bit more of a big deal than it is in this one because you can take cover in this one right if i'm remembering correctly like actually push a button uh, yeah it wasn't sticky though it, you know it was it's definitely not a quote-unquote cover shooter no oh, okay yeah so i think this next one then is going to be a cover shooter and i mean if that's the direction that ubisoft wants to take it that's that's awesome but um uh I, I just wish that it that they kind of kept with I don't know the Assassin's Creed like vibe that they were rocking for so long because this one it, it definitely didn't feel it, you know like you said it 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 wasn't it, you could have tacked off Assassin's Creed and and been totally okay with it and people would have been like oh Ubisoft is trying something new that's cool um, and nobody would have thought another thing about Assassin's Creed I don't think if they had taken you know those two words off of the thing. It would have just been another open world historical quote unquote uh uh RPG and you know, that would have been fine. No, I think that's a pretty fair point. Livy, I'll pass to you. How about you? Action game of the year? Uh my ex- I have the same input as you for Assassin's Creed. 
Uh, I watched it. I watched a friend play it. He played a he played a lot. Um, I did like it, but I felt like it was more hmm, adventure than action. But I mean, that's just my opinion. But you know, fair. What about you, Bate? Best action um, action game. I don't know. Just um, I don't think I really played a lot of, of action games. The, the, this whole year was really awkward for me for gaming. Um, so some of this is like just what I've heard, um, you know, buzzing around the the internet and you know people I've talked to. But I, I think God of War is probably a really good entry for best action uh, game. And if you want to lump that into an RPG as well, then that's totally fine. Um, but just the impact that. You know, it had on people who were who were really following the story, um, really seemed to to enjoy um, how the you know how the narrative was told and how the characters interacted. I have I don't think I've heard a single bad thing about um, about how uh, Kratos interacts with um, oh what's his little face Atreus right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's gonna that's gonna be my uh, my ballot. Certainly, we've got to be cracking up the back because no bait. His name was Boy. <laughs> well done. Okay, so moving along, we've got uh, best RPG of the year. So uh, for me, this is of course a big shocker. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Monster Hunter World by Capcom. Uh, I was really torn if I wanted to call this an action game or an RPG. It's obviously very heavily action oriented, but a lot of what you do is based on how you kind of prepare for the hunting of the monsters. Um, and so I, I kind of want to say it was more of an RPG game and kind of had a lot of those classic Japanese RPG um, game elements. This is just, <clears throat> it's a game that has been around for a very long time. It's been incredibly popular, incredibly popular in Japan, not so much in the US, a very niche following. But when they released Monster Hunter World, the reason they called it World is because that was kind of like their attempt to make it a global phenomenon. And it, it really took hold in the West. It was very popular here as well as in Japan. Um, and people really liked it. You know, it's it's definitely not for everyone. I mean, and Jay, I know Jay tried it. He wasn't a huge fan. Um, but it was definitely more, more um, accessible than the previous games were. And I jumped on the bandwagon, gave it a shot liked it way more than I, I even anticipated. I kind of tried the the beta going like, yeah, we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. And after like an hour, I was like, this this game has got something to it. You know, just something about it just, just really clicked with me. And I, I pre-ordered it, which I normally don't do. Got the game, loved it. Played it pretty much nonstop for like six months <clears throat> before, I, uh, before I finally put it down to try something else. It was one of the best supported games. Um, Tons of content being added on a very regular cadence, all of it free. Um, lots of cool crossover events, lots of seasonal events. You know, new monsters being added for free, new variants of monsters being added for free. You know, we talk about gaming as a service is is it kind of the new the new thing to do. This was by far one of the most generous um, content heavy games that you've ever had all year round. And you know, on top of being what I would consider the best RPG, it was probably the best value game that I've played in probably the last five years. It's just fantastic, and I think it deserves way more praise than it probably even gets um, for those who don't care for it. So uh, my vote goes to Monster Hunter World uh, by Capcom for Best RPG of the Year. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, all right, so which one was this? Uh, for RPG. Uh, Role-playing game, RPGs. Okay. All right, so this one had a little bit of a, little bit of a conundrum on role-playing uh, for for what I, what I was looking for. Um, I 
I'm I'm not I, I'm not really sure if I would call Red Dead Two Redemption a role playing game. Yes, but it's definitely a really good cowboy simulator. Uh, so if I were going to kind of reach for that one, I'd probably say that's probably your best RPG. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I got a hardcore honorable mention in terms of Pillars of Eternity Two, which I think is much more of a classic, old school, traditional RPG style game. Um, and I, I, I didn't want to go without mentioning that one uh, from the the Obsidian team. That was a phenomenal isometric, you know, kind of RPG game. But uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, kind of hard to miss that one out. I mean, there, there's I am not a big fan of that game. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a huge fan of that. But what they did in the game was pretty phenomenal in terms of, in terms of storytelling and creating really deep characters that you do sort of upgrade. And there's some party mechanics to it. I mean, there, there's a lot of things going on in it. It's not, in my opinion, you know, my personal opinion, like your traditional RPG, but it's really hard not to bring that one to the table when you're talking about one of the best of the year. All right, sounds good. Livy, you're up. Best RPG. Uh, um, I think I put on their Shadow of a Colossus for that category. Yes, and I don't even know if that's role-playing. I know it's adventure, but it, it felt more like... Uh, and we played this Well, we started playing this for uh, our dungeon crawl. I don't think we quite finished it yet, but I, it's on my list of, you know, games that we must finish that we started this year. Um, just because the, I love, I, I, so far what I saw, I loved everything because it's a little kid, you know, basically going through this whole scenario. And I think that everything you do kind of reminds, kind of reminds you that you're very small because you're fighting, you know, giants, of course, but the way he, his demeanor, you know, the way he acts towards uh, one of the other main characters and the way he holds his sword kind of like a novice when he's riding his horse. And I, I vote for that. It's hard to talk about it without giving too much of it away. But um, that's where my vote lies for that one. All right. And Bate, you're up. All right, everybody. I want you to put on your cowboy hats and host up six shooters and mount your horses. Uh, I think my RPG of the year is going to be uh, for Cowboy Simulator 2018, also known as Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, and I, I put this in the show notes. I really figure out where to put it in terms of is it an action game? Is it a shooter? I mean, it, it really is all three. It's a shooter. It's an action game. And I think it's an RPG. Um because, you know, sometimes sitting there, I, I, I do find myself um, kind of putting myself into the place of, of Arthur Morgan uh, sometimes and, and just being so fucking frustrated uh, with some of the characters and, you know, excited in times and, and, and whatnot. And I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think for, for, you know, that reason and, and the fact that, you know, man, when I do play that game, I feel like a freaking cowboy, man. Even when I'm doing like the most mundane things ever and I'm like riding up along the river picking flowers to make horse uh stimulant or whatever man i still feel like a pretty badass cowboy so i think uh i'm gonna go for red dead uh two uh as my rpg of the year all right sounds good all right so our next category is best shooter um and shooters are obviously one that you know we our, our show started off from playing a shooter, so it's it's a it's a series that you know we <laughs> very near and dear to our heart and a genre that we we play a lot of, um, and you know I 
<laughs> it's always the game that I love to hate, right? Um, and I, I, I thought about it a lot, and I just felt, you know, I got to be fair and, and kind of give it to, to Destiny 2 Forsaken. It's not really a new game. Destiny 2 obviously came out several years ago, but Forsaken was such a big expansion and changed so much that, you know, you have to reasonably treat it like it's a new release for, you know, 2018. So, you know, Destiny has always, always, even from the first game, regardless of all the issues it's had, from a purely shooting mechanic and game feel of how does it feel to run and shoot and jump and throw space magic around, has always been very top tier. It's always just been very incredible, good game feel. It's always fun to play Destiny, you know. Um, and I think for Forsaken, they, you know, really looked at it, it, the way people play and what people are looking for and what they they want coming out of Destiny, in put together a package of content and changed their methodology of how they roll that content out in a way that was much more compelling. It was much better holding your attention giving you little tidbits at a time rather than just a big block of stuff that you blow through in a week, you know, and you're done with it. And it, it's done wonders. You know, it, it's really held my attention. It took me some coursing to get back to the game, but, you know, I, I was like, eh, we'll give it a shot. We'll, we'll try. It was enough to, to have me try Forsaken. And Forsaken came out, I was like, you know what? They've, they've really done a good job with this. And it's just, you know, building on a really solid shooter foundation and adding you know, all of the, the content and, you know, the, the, the we'll say the role-playing elements and, and the immersion and, and the, the fun, you know, is kind of back in Destiny 2. Um, so my nomination for Best Shooter for 2018 is going to go to Destiny 2 Forsaken. All right, Jay, you're up. Okay. Um, th this one is a little tough for me. So I, when, when I approached this as a 2018, I wanted to, to really go with, games that came out in 2018. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Like how does something like destiny forsaken fit in, which is technically not a new game or a 2018 game. Uh, but I, I took the view of something that was a, I took the view that this was uh, things that were like that actually unveiled in 2018. So I, I, I kind of went against the grain and I'm going to go with call of duty black ops Four. As a pure shooter, they walk you know they walked away from any of the single single player stuff, any of the campaign stuff, um, and they just went with multiplayer only. And it, it's a pretty smooth game. Does all the things in COD that you'd imagine it that it would do. Um, the shooting, the minute to minute, the second to second gameplay is very very good, very solid. Zombies mode is a lot of fun. I'm a big fan. That's the only part of Call of Duty I'm actually a big fan of. But as a pure shooter, it's it's very good. Uh, what they've also done is changed a lot of the very very small ways. Changed a lot of the um, super duper twitchy time, you know, short time to kill things that you see in Call of Duty. It's a bit more team oriented now than it normally has been in the past, which I think is a welcome change. Um, but for a new new start 2018 game, that was kind of my pick. Now I'll be honest with you. If you were to ask me the game that I play the most or, or the game that still captures me as a shooter on a week-to-week -week basis, it's clearly Destiny. And it's not even Destiny 2. It's specifically the Forsaken update to Destiny, which you could, which you could argue is a total revamp. So I would say for 2018, best shooter, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, and then we could probably have a different discussion on you know after we get done with this round you know our round of uh kind of best ofs for this year 
what does it mean when you're doing a new game versus a kind of a live game or games as a service bit? All right, just that's that's totally fair. Um, Libby stepped away real uh, real quick. For, so she had Destiny Two Forsaken as well. Um, we'll probably rope her in to kind of discuss um, her feelings on that when we talk about kind of the gaming as a service and how to kind of view that in the scope of of a uh, a game award. So we'll we'll bring her back in a bit for that. So we'll move along to bait. What was your best shooter for twenty eighteen? Fortnite. Um, it was a. It really is. Um. A, a very fun game and, and i think for me the thing that that makes it take the category as opposed to something like a black ops 4 or a, a battlefield or a destiny or whatever is just i think the, the the fun that i had with this game that you know with other people that i didn't have with uh with those other games um and i i, I certainly you know it, not because I wasn't able to play those games. Um, I, I all my friends, you know, have those games or whatever, and I could have definitely jumped in uh, with them if if I wanted, and, and I did for um, a few of them. But but something about Fortnite, uh, about the fun times that we had, you know, staying up till God knows how long, um, even when we definitely should have been studying. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's um, that that's why um, it, it's my my shooter of the year. Um, and I mean, that game really does have a lot of, uh, interesting content that, that comes out for it regularly and, and still keeps the game, uh, still keeps the game new, uh, sometimes and changes, you know, how, how mechanics work and, and, and all this other really cool stuff. Um, and it's all free. So yeah. So Fortnite, I think it's a really strong argument to say that Fortnite is also the most influential, not just shooter, but I think game of 2018 as well, well just with how it's literally taking the industry by storm in the scale and scope of what it's done and, and certainly what it's done for epic games is just incredible yeah i i i'm not a huge fortnite fan but i i absolutely understand the you know the the appeal to it i i really do i mean i, mean, I, I personally don't enjoy playing it but you know as witnessed by my 10 year old he you know he has a budget that he can spend on gaming and he earns every month and a good chunk of that goes to fortnite um that is a uh, I think, Pokey, you said it best. Definitely one of the most influential or maybe the most influential of the year. Uh, as a shooter, I just, I don't know. Like I said, it's not for me, but I 100% understand the appeal to it and why so many people play it. All right, sounds good. So let's move along to our next category, which, which is best sports game. So I'll be honest on this one. I play exactly zero sports games, so I'm not going to even try to nominate anything. Um, I think Livy, you're kind of in the same boat. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm like, what's a sport? It's not that I don't know. I just I the last sport game I played was like a basketball one when I was probably ten. So yeah, so we'll have to pass on that. But Jay, do you have one? Uh, so yes, I do. Now I'm going to be upfront with you. I am not a big fan of sports games. Uh, and in fact, I would say that the last sports game that I, I really played before this year was like Madden circa 2008-ish, maybe. Great game. Uh, yeah, so I, I used to be a big Madden football fan. I was a you know, big it's, – it's definitely much more complex now, you know, when you start messing around with that game. Uh, but this year, the reason I wanted to include it, I, I kind of – one, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a dead genre because they do sell a lot of games. 
you know, over the course of that, that sort of, um, you know, genre between the FIFA and some of the other ones, you could argue is something like Rocket League a sports game. I, I kind of think it is. Um, so in that note, I, I vote for Pyre by Supergiant. Uh, and it, we kind of, it's a bit of a small, not, not quite indie, but it's definitely a smaller company. Supergiant does, um, some phenomenal games that a lot of people have picked up off Steam and on the PC and things like that. And there's, there's a few of them that are making their way into the console now. And it is an incredibly unique game. It's very NBA jam, sort of. You, you come into the game thinking that it's almost this sort of, um, very quirky, sort of RPG sort of journey, uh, you know, almost like Planescape Torment kind of thing. There's some very interesting moral choices that you have to make, but the actual gameplay is a sports game. You know, Pyre is basically, it's a three-on-three uh, NBA Jam style or three-on-three basketball type thing. Instead of throwing a basketball into a hoop, you've got to throw an orb into a pyre or a bonfire. Uh, but the gameplay you know, it works fundamentally the same. Ton of different type of characters and archetypes to do different things on the court or, or the field of play, if you will. But it, it's mechanical game is a sports game wrapped in a fantastical RPG. Um, very, very good. I expect, you know, super giant games are very unique in their feel and how they look. Uh, and this one absolutely delivered. So that was my sports game of the year. And now you notice it was not a traditional sports game, mostly because a lot of those just don't don't do anything for me personally, not anymore anyway. But uh, something like that that has that is a sports genre or sports theme, but done in a newer novel way that I'm interested in. Like I said, that's why I think something like Rocket League also would count for something like this. Yes, I like the Rocket League. All right, bait you're up. Going to plus one on Rocket League because I wasn't sure if we were going to consider it a sports game. But yeah, I'll, uh, I actually put in the show notes FIFA um, kind of for the same reasons that I put uh, in Fortnite. It's just over the past 16 weeks, I've played a lot of FIFA, um, which I didn't, it was something I didn't think I would be doing actually. But, you know, I had good fun with it. Um, I'm not like all into the whole super, you know, I'm subbing my people out five, you know, five minutes or into the game or whatever. And then, you know, I, I really don't give a fuck about the game, but I had fun with it, so there you go. All right, sounds good, man. Our next category is going to be best indie game. So I kind of take indie games as typically a, a developer that doesn't have a publisher and they're just publishing it themselves. Usually it's a, a smaller operation, lower budget. Um, not always the case, but that's kind of the general guidelines I win. So uh, mine's probably going to go to a game by Ninja Kiwi, which is called Bloons Tower Defense 6. Um, I'm a huge fan of tower defense games. It's almost the only type of game I will actually play on my phone. Um, and, and Libby's probably rolling her eyes as I talk about this because I play it way too much. Um, but, you know, I, I love tower defense games. It's a, it's a silly game where you place down monkeys that throw, like, uh, darts at balloons as they travel down the track. And you try to pop all the balloons before they get to the end of the track. And there's, there's all kinds of crazy things like, you know... Uh, monkeys in, in helicopters that, that fly around in planes and they've got ones that shoot fire and um, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And if you play tower defense games, you know that you get all kinds of different variety. Um, and I like this one because it's kind of got a cool upgrade system for the towers where you, you kind of pick 
two of three trees and you can partially upgrade one and you can fully upgrade the other. Um, it, it does lead to some kind of interesting tactical choices in, in how you, you know, place your turrets and what kind of strategies you use to, you know, um, to, to complete the level. And they've got daily challenges, which puts certain restrictions on you. Like you can only use certain number of towers or certain types of towers. And it, it kind of gives a, a fresh thing to do every day and, and, and kind of try out and, and, and work your way up the ranks as you level up your, your monkeys and, and kind of go down a skill tree system they've got. And, you know, overall, it's just a really solid tower defense game. I've been playing since the very first game back in college. I think I was sitting in my uh, geology class and noticed someone next to me playing on their computer. And I looked it up later that day and, and I got hooked and I've been following the series ever since. So uh, Bloons Tower Defense 6 by Ninja Kiwi is probably my vote for best indie game of the year for 2018. All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, so for indie games, I kind of dug into, um, and I play a lot of, let me preface this, I play a lot of indie games. I am like by far, uh, what I what most people would generally consider consider indie games. I am a big purveyor of Steam and like deep cuts off the PlayStation Store stuff like that. I, I'm I'm a big fan of this, mostly because you can find these small little like really uh, kind of exquisite game experiences that are are very uh, kind of unique and they're not really colored by you know the, the you know, the sheen of a triple A, which sometimes they, they take much safer choices to do things. They, they produce great products often, but they're very safe choices. Whereas people that dare a little bit or, or try to do some neat things are a little different. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tacoma. That was one of my, my, you know, it's definitely not for everybody, but that's, that was a neat story. But the one I kind of go back to uh, in, in all honesty is, is probably Battletech. That was probably uh, by any by, by any stretch, that was my favorite game that came out. Now we've followed that game a long time because it's um, it's been in development a long time. We've kind of handheld with it uh, in turn from their Kickstarter up to their launch. It was uh, really good. Uh, the game when it came out was really good. I played in beta and all kind of good stuff. But they also did a a very meaty patch. Uh, you know, month or so after uh, a- after the well, a couple months after, really, the the game came out, uh, and they they have cleaned up a lot on it. And it, I mean, like I said, small game team, very small studio out of uh, Redmond, Washington, a little north of Seattle. Phenomenal work, very very true to the world, uh, and they they have continued to make that game better over the course of this year. But that that's probably my indie game choice uh, for the year. Now, if it wasn't that, I honestly would have picked Pyre. Uh, because I think Supergiant just does phenomenal work. Uh, I'm a big fan of Supergiant's game style. Uh, as much as I like HBS, and, and we're, we know those guys pretty well, uh, I, I think Pyre was a, was a great game as a standalone. But it, it was, like I said, it was very unique in kind of where it fell as a sports game. And the fact that Supergiant definitely, they change genres almost every game. But uh, Battletech start to finish was probably, you know, my favorite. Uh, overall indie game of 2018. And it surprisingly topped a lot of lists this year, too. Kind of came out of nowhere. Very quietly has done very well in a lot of the, the end-of-the-year awards kind of stuff uh, in terms of turn-based uh, RPG and, and kind of small developer indie game categories. It's done very well. And they, they don't really show any signs of slowing down. I think they're going to end up doubling down on that and continue to develop that, that game and that game world quite a bit. All right. Sounds really good. Libby, you're up. 
Oh, yay. Um, so mine is, and I don't know how many people heard of this game, it's called Graveyard Keeper. And it's basically, uh, it's a graveyard simulator. I think, <laughs> Boogie's laughing. I love these things. So you basically, you know, you, you build and you manage your graveyard and they say ethical dilemmas. It's kind of like you can sell blood for flesh, depending on what you need to complete your graveyard. Um, they do advertise on the intro. I think I'll have a link to it. The family time and the family time is kind of like burning a witch at the stake. So it's very, it's very tongue in cheek. Um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> But it's for a certain audience, so I will warn ahead of time on that one. And this is amusing because I'm looking ahead at what Bates, uh, Bates, <laughs> Bates' choices for best indie game, and it's very similar, but um, not quite as morbid. So, Bates, what is your uh, best game for India 2018? Man, let, let me tell you about some Stardew Valley guys. Um, so, Stardew oh, Valley oh, yeah. is like if I could live a life. I and and I came across a significant amount of money from the lottery or or or, or whatever, dude. I would go for like Florida man would be up in Montana living out Stardew Valley for sure. Um, there's a lot going on with this game that like that just had me entertain and has kept me in love uh, with it for a long time now, actually. Um, so if you're not familiar, just to run it through real quick, it's Harvest Moon on steroids. So uh, you are a farmer and your goal is to just fucking farm crops and raise animals. And it's, it, it sounds super simple and super boring, um, you know, if you're just describing it to somebody. But once you get going and you, you get the feel for it. Um, and, and you put like maybe I would an hour and a half for ni- uh, an hour and a half into the game, then you're like, oh, I totally see why this is popular, and I totally love this game. So yeah, that's that's my game, my indie game, and it's all made by one dude too. By the way, if you're not familiar, um, Concerned Ape really, you know, saw Harvest Moon and was like, I can do that, and he certainly did it, and I th- I think he improved upon. Uh, improved upon it for sure. So, uh, yeah, Stardew Valley, Indie Game of the Year. All right, sounds good. And the next category is kind of one that I wanted just because it. there's a lot of games that come out, I mean, a lot of games that come out, and we don't always have time to play all of them in the same year that they come out. And it's. I think it's appropriate to, to maybe come back and go, hey, we, I'm, it maybe didn't release in 2018, but I played it in 2018, and that's when I experienced it. And I think those are worth kind of giving a mention as well, just because, you know, a lot of great games we miss and pick up later. And uh, I kind of want to give those a chance. So um, the game that, that I would say um, was the best of kind of like the biomass plays, it actually came out in 2017. And I, I didn't jump on it right away. Just the stars in the line, right? Um, and I regret <laughs> not jumping on it as soon as it, as it came out because uh, Near Automata is still probably the only game I would rate as a 10 out of 10 experience um, for any game I have ever played. It is, you know, from an experience standpoint, it is a perfect game. It has the most compelling, incredible ending I've ever seen in any media whatsoever. Um, I'm probably going to do a video on it. I've been wanting to do it for a while, but do a video on absolutely spoiling the ending. I won't do it here, but I'll, I'll do a video to spoil the ending and explain why I give this game a 10 out of 10, but it is probably my favorite game I have ever played. And I played it this year um, because I was late on the on the uptake on it, but 
uh, Near Automata is an incredible game um, by Yoko Taro and Platinum Games. Incredible experience. Everyone should play it if they have a chance. Um, so that's kind of my my nomination for best of the biomass plays games. Uh, Jake, what about you? Yeah, I've got to go with Near Auto- Automata as well. That was a um, the trick to that game is absolutely going in spoiler free. To be honest with you. Um, and, and we will not spoil it here. I and mean, we've talked about it at length, but I, I got to tell you that is got probably one of the best endings ever that I've had in a video, just an ending experiences in the video game. But the gameplay itself, I mean, it's, it's not incredible. I would not call it incredibly deep, but it's good. It, like everything about the game is really good. It delivers. It's very, uh, you know, simple may not be the right way to frame it. It's very clean in terms of what it gives you. Uh, but overall, really, really good experience. I, I would say that's definitely probably a, uh, in terms of best of biomass played, I would definitely give it one of those. Did you actually play it, Jay, or did you just watch it? No, I played it, actually. Wow, okay. I didn't think you would because you weren't, you weren't well, really well, okay, jumping so on it. Based, based on the strength of you and Livy's kind of commentary about it, I actually went back and played it all the way through. Uh, even though, like, at, by that point, I, I knew what was going to happen at the end. but it, it, that was, it was it, let me put it this way. Even though I knew what was going to happen, it still makes you think about your choice at that very, very, at the very last second when you have to make your last choice in the game. Yeah, Even though no, you know it's, it's coming. Yeah, it's, I, I, again, I won't say anything, but, you know, I, I, I kind of had an inkling what was going to happen. And still, it was just like, holy shit. Like, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I want to do a video. I want to kind of break down exactly why. But like Jay said, Really, you want to go into the spoiler-free and just get the the true raw experience from the very beginning until the very until the very end. Like the love of God, play till the very end of the of the fifth ending. Like it is so paramount that you do that. Um, but it's 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 really incredible. So good stuff. All right, Livy, you're up. Mine isn't so deep. It is Honey Pop. First off. <laughs> I, I can literally feel the look that Pokey is giving you right now. <laughs> he thinks it's comical that I enjoy playing He's these like, types of games. my soul, and then you say honey pop. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, up front, it's a tile matching game mixed with a dating sim. It's very basic. It's like Candy Crush with obs- obscene. Sorry about that. It's like uh, Candy Crush with more uh, obscene backgrounds and sound effects. But it it came out in 2015, I think. It was a Kickstarter project, but I didn't find it until this year. And I think I've played it about three times through. So if you like lewd, it's the game for you. <laughs> it, it's basically like if you like match three games and when you win, you get anime porn. <laughs> Is what it really breaks down to. Damn, this this is uh, this is not how I thought this was going to happen. I didn't think <laughs> it would turn like this. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this will not be uh, streamed on the biomass plays because it's banned. Because <laughs> YouTube would censor us. Hashtag demonetized. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah. No, she she asked me if she could put it on there. I encouraged her to, to put her porn game on her uh, her favorite her favorite game list. All right, Bate, you're up. This is a professional podcast that we run here, by the way. Um, I, I think my game, uh, I, I just talked about it, but uh, Stardew Valley um, for 
the exact reasons that I said earlier, it, it is something that, you know, we can't. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Stardew Valley, plain and simple. All right, good stuff. Um, I also wanted to kind of have a quick little honorable mention uh, section just for games that didn't really fit into other categories or weren't really quite, you know, top tier, but were still worth mentioning. Um, I hadn't mentioned it yet, but I, my brother got me uh, PlayStation VR for Christmas, and with it came the game Beat Saber. I know we've talked about it in the past. Um, basically, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's like imagine you're, you got your VR headset on, you got like your two controllers, and they're, they're lightsabers in each hand, right? And then these blocks come flying at you to the beat of music, and you have to slash to the block at like the right direction. It is the most fucking fun thing you've ever done in your life. Like, I, I was a, I played a lot of Dance Dance Revolution when I was younger. I played a lot of Guitar Hero in college. I played a lot of Rock Band. Beat Saber is the most fun rhythm game you will ever experience. It is freaking awesome. Um, it will also exhaust the shit out of you. Like it is very very tiring. Like more than you think so. But it is a really fun game. If you have PlayStation, PlayStation VR or any VR game, they've got on all platforms. Get Beat Saber. Absolutely worth it. Um, they're talking about doing like uh, a few free songs here and there and then some like uh, song packs that are very going to be very reasonably priced. It is a ton, ton, ton of fun. They just added um, the the pop star song from that uh, League of Legends did with the new music video. Like that one's really, really fun. Awesome game. Like Beat Saber gets my honorable mention for 2018. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, Jay, you're up. All right. So this is, uh, is this like top game of the year or what? Just like honorable mentions, not not game of the year. Just like anything uh, that was fun that didn't really fit anywhere else. That's a great one. Um, something that didn't fit anywhere else. Okay, yeah, I, I got one actually. Uh, so let me let me pull up, make sure I've got the title of this one appropriate here. Okay, there's a game called Zenith. Uh, I pulled it off of the PlayStation Store for like seventeen bucks or something like that. Uh, it's, it, it's got an interesting trailer, like, like the trailer, you know, I think you can find this on, I'm pretty sure you can find this on Steam as well, but imagine Bard's Tale, like the OG Bard's Tale, but much more self-aware and probably funnier, definitely more adult. Um, they drop an F-bomb in the trailer kind of unexpectedly. Um, so based on the strength of that, I picked up this game. It is not a technically groundbreaking game by any stretch of the imagination. What it is is a hilariously written uh, RPG that, like I said, is very Deadpool in, in its you know kind of vibe in terms of being self-aware. It's really good. Uh, it, it's like I said, not groundbreaking, not not crazy game mechanics. Very simple stuff. Stuff you know. I mean, they, they take a lot of they poke a lot of fun fun at things like. Yes, I make red potions. You know, the thing that, like, every adventure just willy-nilly drinks because it's red and it means health. And then my side gig is to make is to make poison, which I conveniently also color red, too. It's it, it's very humorous. Um, definitely brought a lot of shades of Bard's Tale back, but it's called Zenith. That's really funny. All right, good stuff. All right, uh, Bate, you're up. Yeah, so uh, I have I actually got two because they kind of go hand in hand, but they're by two totally different uh, people. So my first one is going to be Prison Architect. Um, I, I picked this game up. It was actually free from the uh, Xbox Live 
um, thing uh, either last month or the month before. I can't quite remember. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's pretty basic, pretty straightforward, exactly like the name implies. If you've, uh, it, you build a prison and you've got like certain, certain requirements, um, uh, that you have to do before you quote unquote beat each, uh, each stage. Um, so I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, kind of got me thinking, you know, just a, about placement, whatever. So it, it worked my brain for sure. Um, and then another one, um, also free from games with gold love that stuff that service by the way um was the escapist um so in prison architect you are building prisons in uh the escapist you are escaping from prisons um and you know you you do that you know however you see fit um again an another kind of like uh uh, challenging game, puzzle game, uh, I guess. So yeah, those two games definitely had me occupied at the first of the year. Have you, have you played Escapist Two? I have not. No, um, I, I haven't. I I haven't seen a lot of that game either. So I I don't know. I assume it's it's like the first game in in uh, mechanic wise, gameplay wise. But I haven't touched. It. I haven't really looked at it to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's it's definitely a Stardew Valley kind of visual, if you will. At least it's that 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 sort of style. But it's a fun game. Like it's a neat little problem solving game. My son plays it a lot. It's it's actually very it, you know very easy to easy to fall into. I, I do have one that I'd like to throw out there as a I was thinking about when you said Escapist Subnautica. Beautiful game. Yeah. Ton of fun. Absolutely ton of fun. And it just came out on place on PlayStation, by the way. So. Uh, it's been on PC for a while. Really, really fun game, but definitely your kind of survival adventure kind of game. But yeah, Escape is great, great pickup there, Bryce. Is that is uh, Subnautica still free from Epic? Question mark. I yeah, I don't know. Maybe it might be. I picked it up when it was thinking that I could run it, and I swear to God, it crashes my computer every single time I try to launch it, and I'm really annoyed because I really want to play that game, but you know that's how it be sometimes. Yeah, I think yeah, it must be a free period bait. It's it's listed as twenty five dollars on Epic's games or Epic Store right now. Oh, okay, then that must have been like last week that that ended. I think. All right, good stuff, guys. All right, so kind of this is our final uh, final category here, which is of course game of the year. Just kind of what you felt was the best overall gaming experience for the year of twenty eighteen. Um, you know the, the the top crown. So. For me, um, big surprise, I, I'm going to have to say, you know, God of War. Uh, you know, I was never really a big God of War player up until, you know, this game came out. Just they never really grabbed me. But, you know, seeing what they were putting together and just how it had taken such a drastic shift, you know, I, I would normally call that an action game. And I wouldn't necessarily call it an action game. It's more of an adventure story character game. Um, huge shift there. And in, in what they did at Santa Monica is just absolutely beautiful um just every little tiny detail you see in that game in the way that they present things and i mean just like i i i think i commented when we first talked about it the fact that kratos who is a very stoic character can show so much emotion with his eyes alone in very little facial expression is amazing just the, the way that they are able to take a step back and really enjoy and let you let you experience the quieter moments of the gameplay. I mean, it's it's called God of War, but I think probably like the quiet moments are the ones that are really the most important when you play that game because you you see these character moments come out and you see the emotion that they've built in and the music and good God, the graphics are incredible. Um, 
just overall, it is a breathtaking, beautiful experience. And, you know, the guys over at Santa Monica just deserve all the praise in the world for what they've done. It is an amazing, incredible game, you know, and I can't wait to see what they come up with next because it's just, it sets a new bar, I think, in terms of like, when you make a single player game, from now on, it's going to be, let's compare it to God of War and, and if it can reach this pinnacle because it is so incredible on every level. It's just amazing. So God of War for 2018 game of the year. Uh, Jay, you're up. Yeah, I, I will also go with God of War. Um, I I looked long and hard at a lot of other games trying to figure out if anything impacted the way that this one did, at least from, from my perspective, and it really doesn't. At least not for me. I mean, a lot of people like looked at Red Dead as a you know as a you know high possible high possibility in terms of game of the year, and I think you could argue that they reached very very far, uh, which is incredibly you know, commendable. But there were just I think too many divisive things about Red Dead that drew drew it away. Um, whereas God of War, in terms of a curated single player game experience. I haven't seen the like of that in a long time. And, and in fact, it's almost like, you know, not, not too long ago, there was a lot of people saying, hey, the single player game, you know, game idea is sort of dead. You know, it's all got to be big open world, uh, you know, kind of thing. You know, God, God of War is not, is, it's certainly not on rails, but it is not open world at all. Um, so I, I guess just in terms of watching Sony Santa Monica say, Hey, watch my, you know, here, hold my beer while I do this. And then just turn that game loose. And by the way, there's no DLCs for it. You know, not, not really. there's been a couple updates, but there's no real DLC packs. There's no expansions. There's no nothing. It's here is the game. I think that speaks just tremendously about this game in terms of what it brought visually phenomenal, like just a gorgeous game. It was, it was beautiful to look at. Um, voice acting and the writing, the story itself, all of those things that sort of bring a that sort of human dimension or that emotional dimension, hands down, were aces. The relationship between Tra- Kratos and Atreus is pretty spectacular. If if you have kids, you will 100% understand this game. Um, the gameplay itself, combat, spot on, crisp, clean, really really creative if you wanted it to be. You could button mash and be kind of kind of okay. Um a couple of the like not the boss fights but the major fights, you know like the like the the you know the mid-tier boss fights sort of. Those are a little bit samey, but that's about it. Um a, a lot of varied enemy types, just the combat itself was really crisp, clean and a lot of fun. Big departure from kind of old school God of War in terms of how it played. Uh but then it kind of whipped you back into that uh, in terms of what your abilities were in the late game. And uh, the soundtrack, believe it or not, was phenomenal. If you haven't listened to the soundtrack clean, I recommend doing that. It's really good. It was very, very good. Uh, it was reminiscent of a top-tier tentpole movies type soundtrack that you'd hear from like Hans Zimmer or something like that. It was really good. Uh, overall, hard to beat. Uh, really hard to beat. I think you could argue that Red Dead probably reached, I don't know if they reached farther, but they had a big vision. But mechanically, there were just too many things that drew me away and, and just turned me off in Red Dead. And I just, I'll be honest with you, I just can't get into Red Dead. I've played maybe about 12 hours now. It's its just not fun for me. 
And, but I, and I know a lot of people say, yeah, but you got to wait, you got to get into the story even deeper and longer. If I'm at hour, I guess, 12 on this game and I'm not engaged in it yet, I think, I think that's a flaw, at least from my perspective. Um, I acknowledge that the end game, like the back half of Red Dead, by anybody's measure is much, much, much better than the front end. But I think that's, that was really the thing that clearly pushed it over the edge for me was a reimagining of God of War uh, into something entirely different from what that game series had been. And there were, I could not find any technical flaws. And artistically, it was really, really, really spoke to me. Whereas Red Dead, again, big vision, beautiful game, lot, lot into it. Uh, it just couldn't grab me. It just, it just, I couldn't get anything out of it. Uh, so that's kind of where I came down on it. All right. Sounds good. All right, Livy, you're up. Yeah, I went with God of War as well. Um <laughs> See, I didn't get to, I didn't actually get to play it. I watched Pokey play. Um, and I think I saw more of the story and more of the development of the characters. Um, and something <laughs> as a parent that caught on to me was kind of like the, the way that they were both fighting. And I'm going to say boy, cause that's his name. Boy would start doing something like, you know, choking the enemy. And you, for a second, you stop. When did you learn that? I don't care. Kill him. So it's like, <laughs> there's so many times where you're like, you know, even, being annoyed by your kid and they do something fantastic. And that, that that's kind of what the, the game reminded me of. So for more, me, it was more of the story um, over any other of the aspects. All right. And bait, you're up. Man, I forgot I was on pickups with a bunch of old people, man, talking about their kids and feelings. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, guys. But yeah, no, th those are those are definitely awesome reasons for sure. I am going to take the non-parent approach, it seems, and pull for some Red Dead. Um, Jay is totally right, by the way, when he says that the front half of the game is like the worst thing ever and that 12 hours uh, is also not enough time, I don't think, to appreciate the story. Um, because holy shit, the front half of that game is really hard to play, or at least I found it really hard to play at times. Um, but I mean, I think the main story is about, it's 44 hours long if you do just story missions, but I mean, let's be real, you're going to do some side missions because they're there. So that actually tacks up the game to about, I think 71 hours is what I'm reading. And, but that's if you do all the side missions. So we'll tack that down to maybe 60. Um, anyway, the game is long as hell. Um, but I think from just how good the game looked and, and how, how much there was to do for me um, was something that that uh, really drew me and really stuck with me because I am the kind of person that, you know, that will do side quests and will put off story missions to do, you know, to follow a, a, a line of quests all the way to the end. And some of these side quests are like, there's like five or six parts to some of them. Parts are, you know, like 20 minutes or whatever for a majority of them. So you're spending the, you're spending a good amount of time um, just to finish, you know, one, one character, uh, one character's little story in, you know, in the uh, area um, that you're in, in that game. Um, uh, yeah, so, so lots to do the, the story it, again, it does pick up in the second half and it's a, it's a pretty damn good story. Um, uh, if I do say so, um, 
but yeah, yeah. Um, lots to do, big open space. Um, yeah. So just, just overall, I, I think that is probably my, my game of the year for sure. All right, guys. I appreciate your, your thoughts on all of that. I think there's a, there's a lot of really great stuff to look at this year and it's, it's, like I said, it's tough to play all of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm always bummed out by the fact that there's games I'm just not going to get to because, you know, especially the way games are designed now, they're, they're designed to hold your attention for a very long period of time. And it's difficult to, to find the time to, to play them all. So, you know, it's good to hear perspectives from other people. Like I haven't had a chance to play Red Dead 2 yet. Um, I, I, I want to get to it, but you know, again, it's, it's other stuff that I'm trying to get through. So it, it's difficult. I'm, I'm glad to hear your thoughts on it. And, you know, it was a good year. I think it was a pretty good year for gaming. And, you know, I think we got some really good, good titles coming up next year. I'm looking forward to, especially in the first quarter. So it's going to be exciting. So there was one topic that that we wanted to cover uh, a little bit briefly that Jay kind of mentioned earlier. And maybe I'll let you tee this one up, Jay, but kind of talk about gaming as a service and how that should be approached in the perspective of comparing it to new games, you know, kind of in the same the timeline. So so I'll, I'll tee that up to you and then kind of get your thoughts on that. Sure. Uh, it really comes down to a little bit of what I said earlier. Is like, how do you take a game or how do you compare games something that uh, that came out, let's say, two years ago, but has been continually updated and cared for, uh, changed, modified, whatever you want to call it. How do you how do you account for that versus a brand new game that's brand new in 20, 2018? How do you compare those things? And and I'll be honest with you, I don't have a good answer on that. And I, and it's and I think there's a lot of sort of gaining outlets that are struggling with this as well, trying to figure out. Like, what does that equal, uh, or or are they equal? Are they a separate category? Because you can argue, to be honest with you, quite successfully that you know something like Overwatch is still one of the most popular shooter games out there by any stretch of the imagination. You know, big esports following; they they continue to keep that that game very fresh with updates, balance changes, meta changes, things like that, new characters. Uh, so a lot of people still buy that game and a hell of a lot of people still play it concurrently, like a ton. Uh, Destiny is a little bit like that, particularly with the Forsaken update. Um, you know, that, that's, there's no, that's, that's not small. So how do you, how do you look at these games? Um, and you can say that there's been some resurrections out there. Forsaken, uh, The Division, um, For Honor, uh, and Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Seeds in particular, like those games are all games that, that at one point were very much in the toilet, but their updates and their live service basically turned them around and totally revamped what they were to the point where they were effectively new games, you know, or at least should be treated as a new game, brought tons of people back to their markets and did a lot of things. So how do you compare something like that where a lot of your time still goes to a game that came out, let's say, a year ago for me in the, in the form of Destiny versus a brand new game where you might like it and it plays well, but you still keep going back to those older games? So I'll, I'm just going to kind of open that up for just general thoughts and discussion. Yeah, so I think it's difficult because when you got a game like Overwatch, Overwatch, you know, they, they update and they, they add like seasonal events and that sort of thing. But the, the, the bulk of content is, is pretty light. I think people probably get more enjoyment just from the, the competitive aspect of it. But they're not adding like big, huge, sweeping expansions like you saw with like Destiny Forsaken, for example. 
And I think it's it's easy to compare games and you look at them as what was released this year, you know, it's gets its release window within that year, how did it do compared to everything else? But you know, like like you said, these games are coming out, they're they're adding more content over over a period of time, you know, sometimes years. You know, Destiny One ran for what three years, I think. Destiny Two is coming up on, on year two now, um, and you almost kind of have to look at it not so simplistic as when was it released and what year is it now, and more of like what did they add in the last year? What, what was the new content? What was the new experiences that you were you know, able to have in this last year? So I mean, for for like an example with like Destiny Two, you know, the Forsaken expansion is probably the one you look at. Because it's it's what did they change and add to your experience throughout this year? And granted, that was coming towards the end of the year, but you have to look at it a little more fluid, I think, than, than just you know when was it released. Um, and it's a little more difficult then because you kind of have to go, well, what constitutes new content? You know, what's what's uh, new experience? What how can we compare these things? You know, apples to apples, and it it is a little more difficult, I think. But I also think it's not fair to necessarily say, well, Destiny Two came out years ago it doesn't it doesn't count anymore because like like we've talked about before forsaken was a very transformative moment for that game and it changed a lot of things and it brought a lot of people back and you can't discount that and it you can it's easy to say you know destiny 2 forsaken as its own thing but it's, it's really not it, it's definitely adding on to a, a base that did come out years ago but it's also not fair to say that doesn't count um that's kind of my take on it at least hey what do you think man uh, Bates stepped away. Um, Livy was was getting kid aggro. Livy, we were just talking about, um, you know, normally we compare games that were released within the same year as you know game of the year. But is that you know should we also look at games that are ongoing with additional content being added, like Destiny and, and like Monster Hunter for that 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 sort of thing, where it's new experiences have been added. So can we compare those experiences to games that were kind of released in that same window? I think you can. I think that we're, I mean, while these games are ongoing games aren't new, I think, you know, especially the Destiny models, it feels like it's it's kind of a new way to look at how we play long-term games because you could keep playing the older version of Destiny, we'll say that, but if you wanted to do any Forsaken stuff, you technically have to buy a new game. So while Destiny itself may not be the game of the year you could say that the forsaken uh what do you want to call it you know forsaken download or whatever is is the good game i it's really hard to categorize it because ongoing could you know clutter everyone's vision of what exactly is a game is it a game that is out you play it it's done or these ongoing ongoing uh, as people are saying now game gaming as a a service model. And we're in an interesting space right now because you've got, like, you've had games in the past, like MMOs, like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XI, where you're paying a monthly subscription and they're, they're adding content, you know, fairly regularly on a, on, a, on a constant cadence. And then you had games that were like, you know, console, console games that would come out with, you know, DLC expansion packs, you know, that sort of thing. And it was you always kind of view them differently where it was like, well, one's a subscription and then one's DLC, you know, but now you've got games like destiny um, where they've got their annual pass. And we've talked a bit about this Jay, where it's, it feels like the way that they're rolling out content is much more like you'd see in a subscription based game 
but you're paying for it like it's an expansion, you know, all at once. And it's, it's interesting because they, they've, they've divided it up where it's like, hey, here's three different seasons of content you're paying for. And we're going to kind of trickle feed you, you know, all of this content over this period of time, but you pay for it all right now. And you don't get to pick and choose what you want. You got to prepay for all of it. So you're, you're kind of like buying a subscription, but all at once. But it's kind of this weird hybrid. And you, you see kind of the growing pains of, of players looking at this and kind of confused about what they're getting. Because what they're really paying for is kind of a subscription game. What they think they're getting is an expansion. Um, and you're seeing some disconnect there. And as that line gets more and more blurry, it's going to be difficult to kind of differentiate, you know, okay, is it an expansion or is this just how these games are where you buy a year's worth of content and you get a year's worth of content? It's just not all at once. Um, and it, it lends itself to, you can't just look at Destiny Forsaken anymore. It's kind of Destiny Forsaken plus a year, you know? Um, in, in that being said, it's, again, not necessarily fair to discount that from the conversation of, well, was it released this year? Because, you know, like I so said, Destiny Forsaken came out you know, a month or two ago, and it's going to run for 9, 12 months before we get another, you know, quote-unquote expansion. Um, it's a very weird space. You know, it's a very weird direction. There. I shouldn't say weird. It's unfamiliar um, in the context of how we normally see this sort of thing. But it's also not something new. Um, and it's it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I like to see this kind of thing develop. But, you know, I, I think we do kind of have to look at content not so much in a single drop, but rather potentially an experience over a period of time. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. And the other thing that does make it even a little bit more muddy, when do you, like, what if a game comes out as early access or not, you know, like not final like on Steam does this all the time, but it's a pretty polished game and it's out and a lot of people are buying it. Do you review when do you review it or when do you when do you try to access that game, you know, for purposes of assessing it or reviewing it? That that's an interesting question also. You know, like because I think basically what's happened is the front side and the back side of when you consider games and what their reach is is now expanding a little bit. In, in the difficult part with that is that everyone has a different definition for what early access means, what beta means. I mean, you've got um, Fallout 76 with our quote-unquote beta. That was two weeks before launch. That is not what I would consider a beta. It's certainly not a beta in um, a developer's you know vocabulary. And then you've got games that are truly in beta, like indie games. So they're coming out like, hey, it's early access. You know, We are probably a year and a half, two years away from quote-unquote launch. But people will try to compare those two, and that's it's really not a fair comparison, obviously. So, you know, if you're two weeks from launch, you're hopefully way more um, polished than someone who's in a beta that might be six months, a year away from launch. Um, and unfortunately, when companies, and I'll say it, they abuse the term, you know, early access, beta, alpha. I mean, early access is a little more reasonable because you're, you're truly saying, I'm, I'm letting you in early, but this is kind of what you get. But when you're calling something a beta, you know, two weeks before launch, it's, it's, it's not honest, you know. Um, it, it, it turns into this awkward thing of like, okay, well, when is actually launch? Because, I mean, for example, um, Fortnite, not, not, the, not the Battle Royale, but the Save the World campaign, the, the co-op campaign, it was in early access, and they had early access physical copies selling at Walmart. Yes, I was going to bring that one up too, because is that one even launched yet 
I, I, I think I think it did. I think it did officially launch. But I mean, you have a commercial release. It's in a store. The game is out. Or you've got games like Ark Survival Evolved, where they are quote unquote in beta with paid DLC that you can buy for the beta. Your game has launched at that point. Um, in the industry has not really agreed on, or may, <laughs> may never agree on proper vocabulary on how do you define things and what stage of development they're really at, because it is so inconsistent. You really can't trust the words they're using. You have to actually just look at the game and go, okay, when is this quote unquote launching or has it already launched? You know, <laughs> can I buy a disc in the store? You know, does that really mean early access? And I think gamers have to decide for themselves where this actually is. And the difficult part is, is that, you know, like you brought up a good point, when do you review it? When does it count as reviewed? You know, Fortnite Save the Save the World was out for, God, I think a year and a half before it launched. You know, when was it okay to review that? Um, when is it fair to review that? Is it okay to review Fallout 76 beta two weeks before launch, the same way it is to review a game that is six months, 12 months away from launch? They're both called betas, but do you review them at that point? Or you've got the games that are perpetually in early access for three, four, five years to avoid the, well, we haven't launched yet, so you can't really fairly you know, uh, review it yet. They'll, they'll, they'll hide behind that title for a long time. Um, and it's, it, it's difficult, and I'm not even sure what the answer is. And I don't think you know players really know what the answer is to it either. It's, it's a really tough question. And it all comes down to mostly marketing bullshit on trying to, you know, manipulate how those reviews and how that perception is going to be. And I mean, that is that is marketing. I mean, that's that's the definition of marketing. But it's it's difficult for us to kind of properly gauge a game because of that. Yeah. So I, I would say broadly, I I'm not I'm generally not a fan of trying to have a separate games as a service category. It's almost in the totality of the content for the year, what was the best, what was the best game in its, in its class or genre? I mean, that's just how I personally view it. Now, the reality is when you start doing that, you're going to find, you're going to have like your overwatches that keep coming around and around and around. Does that necessarily mean that a lot of the games in 2018 were bad or not as good? I I don't know that it does. I think it kind of means that there's maybe a, a difference between best and maybe most played. Uh, I'm not sure, I, but there's probably some variations that need to go in there. Yeah, Man. most played sounds good because I mean it's kind of like movie awards, right? There's no ongoing yeah. movie. You know, <laughs> give Gladiator the same award three years in a row because people are still watching it, so it's it's difficult in that way. Well, I think I think this is also indicative of the fact that the games model has really changed. Remember, we were just saying God of War. One of the things that was unique about it, to, to be real upfront with you, is that it was a very clear, you know, curated offering. It was a single player offering. That is not the norm nowadays. Like by, you know, when that game came out, if you'd have asked me, hey, what do you think the next DLCs will be? At the end of that game, we even talked about, yeah, there's going to be, there's obviously going to be like, they're going to open up this realm and that realm. There's going to be some new adventures. No, not really. It's not what they're doing with it. So it, it, you know, I think our assumption is nowadays that the game that you get at launch is not the game it's going to be in a year. Correct. Uh, and a lot of them come out with DLC already. 
Right. So you already know. Yeah, which is you already know that you're getting insane. a part of a game. <laughs> like they have already got the DLC named and it drops like 30 days or less after the launch of the game. And you're like, well, what the fuck is that DLC? Why isn't that part of the base game? You know, that kind of thing. I so, mean, to be honest, the first time I really ran into DLC coming back in the scene of gaming was with Destiny. And they're like, do you want to get the DLC membership or whatever pack? And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, you mean you're, I'm only buying part of the game now when I buy the rest of the year? And Bungie said, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it, it, And there is there is some some enjoyment to the, the, the cleanness of of that with like God of War. It's like, I know I'm getting a complete product. Like they told the story. The story is done. That's it. You know, Near Automata is another one where it's like people say, "Well, they can do more DLC." I'm like, "No, don't touch it. Like, it, don't mess with it. It's, it's good as it is. Like, that's that's it's a self-contained story. Don't mess with it." Um, and it gets messy, you know, with with the gaming as a service model, and it it's almost a little frustrating. Cause I, I enjoy these games. I enjoy the co-op multiplayer experience with them, um, but they're very time-consuming because they are designed to hold you there and consume as much time as possible over a long period of time, um, and it's tough. I don't know if you necessarily want to have a gaming as a service category in the sense of just rehashing, like, like you said, you run risk of having Overwatch, you know, win 12 years in a row, whatever. Um, but it's, if you did something like that, it would almost have to be like, we have to look at what was released for that game during this year. Like what additional content was added, you know, and how was that judged against other similar model games, you know, like, Overwatch does their seasonal events. Okay, does that compare to what was launched for Destiny 2 or Monster Hunter or something like that? Um, in my my response would be, it, it doesn't it doesn't compare. It's it's not as much. It's not as good. You know, um, and that's the only way you can really look at. You still have to kind of put the bookends on it. I think and look at what came out this year, um, even if it's not the initial launch, but what actual content was launched during that year, and then compare that. We'll probably have expansion of the year category. And, and you know, that that could work. If we stick with the expansion model and we still, you know, market it as an expansion, then, you know, sure, why not? You know, it, you you do have a lot of games that are going to be like that where they're, they're putting big expansions out on a yearly by yearly race, you know, basis. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, because I mean, like I said, Destiny 2 Forsaken is quite good. Um, as much as I, I hate to admit it sometimes, it's quite good. Um, and it, it, it's, it sucks to not be able to necessarily compare that to other stuff that came out because it was so transformative. But, you know, you got to run the line somewhere. So it's, it's tough to say. All right. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about on that, Jay? No, I, I, think, I think we've covered that one fairly well. And in all honesty, I, I think this is one that, that is certainly not going away. And it's definitely going to, it's definitely a case of, Games are just simply different now, uh, and it's something that a lot of people have to catch up with. So, no, I, I don't think there's any anything else I can probably add to it other than we we probably need to consider. I think the way Livy described it is maybe best update is okay, but there's also a part of me that says, hey, if you want to be the best whatever in the market, best shooter, RPG or whatever, um, then get good. You know, like if you can't you know, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man kind of thing. So if Overwatch wins best shooter three years in a row, somebody make a better Overwatch. You know, that there's there's part of me that, that does does tend to lean that way. Uh, but I can totally understand how do you how do you 
uh, view, access, and assess all these things in different spaces. So I, I can understand. Uh, and at some point, you might, you might, what you might get is maybe there's a best game of the year or you know, game of the year, and then there's best new game of the year. It's almost flipped the script on what Livy said, which is what what is the minority? Is the minority new games that came out, or is the is the minority games that have been out and they're and they are good that year? Yeah, no, that's that's probably actually a better way to look at it because you're you're yeah, like you said, you're flipping it around. That's that's good. All right, guys. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, you ready for ready for some shoutouts? Let's do it. Okay, uh, so. My shout out is going to go to my brother, Dante, and Livy. Um, they worked together to put together a really, truly incredible, we'll say, a package of gifts for, for Christmas. Um, just really, extremely generous, really awesome. It really it was, it was awesome. Um, well beyond my expectations. And just, uh, it, was, it was really cool. So, um, uh, I'll, I'll have to have Libby edit the photo she took of it, but my brother made me a um, a replica of the last word from Destiny. Um, oh, snap. Yeah, and uh, like you'll have to see it, Jay. You'll you'll be drooling. Um, it, it puts boys to shame because it comes in a uh, handcrafted um, Tex Mechanica box with Tex Mechanica engraved on the front, um, stained wood. Like it's it's mind boggling how cool this thing is. Um, so we'll, we'll get some pictures up about that once, uh, Livy gets them off of her camera. Um, and then also my PlayStation VR and, uh, I'm going to be getting the, uh, special edition kingdom hearts PS4 pro with kingdom hearts drops in January. So it's just, <laughs> it was just really incredible. So, you know, thanks guys. Shout out to you. You're, you're awesome. And I really appreciate everything. Yeah. You spoiled this year. That was very spoiled this year. <laughs> very clear that he's spoiled this year. Very spoiled. <laughs> you, you, you get at least one, right? Um, all right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, um, I'd like to give a shout out to Enter, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, that is probably the best uh, movie I've seen in quite some time. And it is easily one of my top top two maybe top yeah definitely top three to maybe top two superhero movies period that i've seen it just a groundbreaking piece of cinema just the visuals were like really really phenomenal the story is killer um the soundtrack's awesome when i actually went out and bought the soundtrack uh it's really good i i can find very little at fault with that movie i cannot recommend that movie enough it's really really good um boy uh, my 10 year old, he was just enthralled by it. Um, and, uh, you know, as a 10 year old, he's, he's definitely webbed up in it. No pun intended. And, uh, I, I thought it was a, just a great movie. I mean, it was a really, really, really good movie. Uh, adults will get something out of it. Kids will probably will definitely enjoy it. It's, uh, like I said, can't find a lot of, a lot of fault in this one and I uh, highly recommend that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. We're going to go check it out this weekend. It'll be good. All right, Livy, you're up. All right. So my shout out goes to uh, Manufacturer and Destiny 2, the Amalon. the Amalon for the Wave Splitter, who has increased my game yes. tenfold. <laughs> I just love seeing people melt. <laughs> no, it's quite amusing, but no, that gun is freaking bomb ass. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't have it, but I die by it a lot. I had one that was like like a freaking Disney laser light show. You can <laughs> ripped in half every different direction all at once, crossing the streams and all kinds. Of, it's bad. There's yeah. nothing like an invader coming in and gambit. You just... <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, you know, again, thanks everyone for tuning in with, with uh, Kid Agro in the back. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it was a really great year, guys. Um, you know, we always appreciate the support for the show and having you guys tune in. And it's, you know, we 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 do it because you guys like it. Um, and we have a lot of fun. Just a bunch of guys get sitting around, or guys and gals sitting around talking about the stuff we do um, on the video games. So, you know, it was a great year. Um, and, uh, you know, we appreciate all of you. And, you know, as usual, like I said, if you want to be on the show, head to our website, biomass.com. And, uh you know, hit us up with our contact information there. We'll, we'll get you on. But uh, that being said, everyone, please have a safe new year. Don't go too crazy. We got lots of games to play next year. So we'll see you then. Thanks.